All right. It's the Apex Vaulting Podcast. This is episode 42. This is going to be one of those weeks where we, we pump out a few podcasts. Um, so excited because uh, normally I like to space them out a little bit, but just a lot of topics that I want to cover and I just, heck with it. Let's just do it all in one week. Um, so excited about these episodes. Um, again, to start off, um, you know, follow us at the real Apex Vaulting on Instagram. We're Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter. It's apexvaulting at gmail.com is our email, and apexvaulting.com is our website. And oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, we have the stores up on the website, apexvaulting.com. You can go on our Apex shop and you can get all the Apex gear that you want. Um, we're shipping all across America, so super excited about that. It's totally cool. Um, so excited to be able to offer that to everybody. Um, anyway, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, um, September 22nd, it's a Saturday, we will be hosting the Apex Vaulting Strength and Conditioning for Pole Vaulters Clinic. It, it is a strength and conditioning uh, clinic that is geared towards the pole vault and how to periodize in and out of season, how to deal with injuries, meaning, okay, if you're hurt, you can't just not do anything, okay? what? exercise substitutes can you use to keep working through strengthen yourself and then also ma maintain or perhaps even get faster while you're dealing with an injury. Um, we've had a lot of experience at Apex um, with people who you know may have uh, gotten hurt during a me or just experienced certain things um, and we've found you know substitutes. There's even certain situations like we had Lily Brown on the podcast um, she had ligaments uh, in between her, her vertebrae that were stretched out. Uh, it's something that wasn't pole related, but obviously caused issues with takeoff. And we found ways to work around it. If you didn't hear the Lily Brown episode, I would definitely go back and check it out. I think it's an interesting uh, viewpoint on how to work around injuries. But again, September 22nd, we will be hosting the Apex Vaulting Strength Conditioning for Pole Vaulters Clinic. It's only $30. Anyone and everyone is welcome. And right now on the podcast, he's been on the podcast before. So awesome to have him, uh, Calvin Hartman. All right? Hey, guys. Um, Calvin, didn't you in the past year, you got some strength and conditioning certification? I always forget the name of it. Do you want to explain that for people? Yeah, I have what's called my CSCS, which is Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. That's through the NSCA, which is National Strength and Conditioning Association. <clears throat> that sounds really technical and fancy, so you're an important guy now. I think the hardest part of that was just learning what the letters mean. <laughs> That's it. If you can remember that, then you passed the test. <laughs> that was a mouthful. Yeah. But no, I mean, it was a uh, like the test was pretty intensive, right? Like, you had, you, you had to know a lot of stuff. Like, I remember you prepping for it. That book was, like, super thick. Yeah, it, it was... The toughest part was probably the uh, the scientific principles because I was a sociology and criminology major, so I had no background in energy systems or you know any basic physiology stuff. But uh, it was really cool to learn about it. <clears throat> yeah, well, and it's definitely helpful. You know, even you know me. Um, you know, obviously my background. I, I started out as an English teacher. Um, I also, you know. I then went to coaching pole vault and been coaching college, but through that journey, um, you know, obviously dealt with a lot of strength conditioning, did a lot of studying on my own. I think that's the wonderful part about the internet nowadays is like you have so much access to information, um, you know, and, and so that's kind of how I walked through that. And, you know, if you're coaching a hundred athletes over like a, about a 10 year period, I mean, you're going to learn a lot, you know? Um, and that's, that's basically how I got my knowledge, and you have your certification now, um, and we have some great results. I mean, you know, I think pound for pound, you know, especially in this local area and with high school athletes, we have some pretty strong kids. I mean, what do you think? I mean, we have some super strong kids, and to just go back to that real-world experience, like, that certification, honestly, I, I feel like means means so little because it's great to know stuff, and it's great to know you know, the technical terms for, for everything you do. But, I mean, there, you can't replace that real-world experience. And I think what's been more valuable than, than that certification is I've, I'm like an Apex OG. I've been here since my, yeah. my freshman year of high school. I graduated not this past May but the May before. So I've been, I've been around vaulters and I've been around, you know, athletes for a long time. 
And in that time, I've, I've not only just jumped for you, but I've also worked for you. And, you know, I'd be here in yeah. my spare time, like, you know, just helping out with the strength and conditioning. So I feel like I'm lucky that I have some, some real, world, real, real world experience of my own, too. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and there's a, there's a couple different topics that I want to cover with you. I guess, uh, you know, just to keep going with the strength and conditioning for a little bit um, and, and you coaching, you know, one, look – you weren't a natural athlete no. by any means. I mean, I remember, I remember when you were a freshman in high school. You had just finished your freshman year of high school, and you're, you're training with the club. I used to tell people all the time, I'm like, oh, look at Calvin's takeoff. <laughs> but I could not ask anybody to watch him swing because you, you didn't have the upper body strength to actually complete no. a swing. You could hit a decent takeoff position, but that was it. And um, even by senior year, you know, you had jumped 14, but it was like 13-9 grip, and you run a 14-7, maybe 65-70, and you squeaked over 14, where by senior year, you know, you had a 15-9 jump in you where you gripped 14-3, and you run a 15-85 or 90. So, I mean, you, you know, even there, think about that, guys. I mean, his grip didn't go up tremendously while he was in college, but the pole stiffness went up a lot. Because even 1585, that would be a 14795. You're going, even if we go 70, I mean, that's a, that's a big jump in poles. And the efficiency went up. A lot of things improved. But you worked your butt off. Tell, tell the freshman year story of college when you're doing single leg squats. I think that's a good story. Oh, my God. This just goes to show how important competition is. And you, know, you can work out by yourself, but it is not the same at all as working out with a partner. <clears throat> my freshman year of college, uh, Bronco introduced me to Bulgarian split squats. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, that's like a... That's Some like people a, call them single leg squats. I kind of got the idea originally from Mike Boyle. Go ahead, sorry. But you have your rear foot elevated on an implement of some sort, like a bench, or we have these uh, rollers that you put your feet on, um, and you squat on one leg. And I, I remember the first day we were in the Ramapo weight room, and I think Bronco had like a 10-pound 10, 10 plate on each side, and I was struggling, you know, super hard. That was really hard. Fast forward a couple months, and uh, I think I did like 165 pounds, and I was so pumped. You know, I was for like, how many wow. reps? Like three or four. I don't remember. So three or four reps, 165 <laughs> pounds. You weigh? How much did you weigh? Uh, like 150, probably 145. Yes, and you were like super that. pumped. You were super I, pumped. I thought I was a stud, but I was training alone. Like I didn't have anybody to compare to. So I'm, I'm like king of my little castle. I think I'm, I'm the coolest guy. And we had a girl on the team named Britt Delcase. And Britt Delcase was, like, still to this day, one of the strongest girls, like, To come through the cl- club, yeah. yeah. And she had just transferred into Rampo. I did coach her in high school. She had gone to SUNY Oswego freshman, sophomore year. Um, they, they lifted and stuff at SUNY Oswego, but we just took it to the next level when she came to Rampo. And she probably weighed 135, 140 pounds. And, you know, her PR actually that year went from 11.8 or 11.9 to 12.4 and three quarters. You know, a lot, lot of improvement. And uh, so you bump into her in the weight room. So I, I bump into her in the weight room. I'm kind of puffing my tiny little chest out. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so cool. I did 165. Britt, you know, walks up to me. She's like, hey, how's your training going? I'm like, well, Britt, it's going great. I just single-leg squatted 165 pounds. And she kind of laughs at me. She's like, I'm like, what's that for? Like, how's your training going? What what did you single-leg squat? She's like, Calvin, I just did 225 pounds for four. (laughs) And I I remember just, like, the color draining out of my face. I was like, how is that even possible? Right. Because, well, here's the thing, and I I think sometimes this is – Uh, a little bit the issue I have in the track and field world. People don't know numbers. No. You know, and it's like, look, if if you don't know the numbers, if you don't have a standard, right, hey, first time I did 165-pound single X, wow, that was hard too. You know what I'm saying? But when you see that there's there's a female athlete or if you see a high school guy, you know, doing 225-plus – well, now it's not so special anymore. And what would you end up single leg squatting? What was your, your highest number ever? My best my, was my junior year. I did 315 pounds for five reps each leg. Yeah. Four so what, what a difference. And what did you weigh? What was your body weight at the time? Probably around 180, you know, 180. somewhere around there. Right. But, but still, so here's the thing. You went from 165-pound single leg squat at 150 pounds. You added 30, 35 pounds of body weight, but you, you – more than doubled your, your single leg squat, or about doubled it. 
Yeah. You about doubled your single leg squat. So that, that's a big difference. Your power to weight ratio went tremendously up. Yeah. Tremendously yeah. up. And and that's something that I think people are afraid of. If they hear, hey, my athlete might put on 30 pounds of muscle. One, depending on the athlete, they may need to put on 30 pounds of muscle to get any strength. Absolutely. You know, sure, I think power to weight ratio is super important. You don't want people putting on too much mass. But some people are so small and frail, if you don't put on any muscle, you're going to have problems. Right? Yeah. Um, what... Um, let, let's go back to the, the club and just kind of the deal. You, you've been in various scenarios. You've seen different groups training and stuff like that. What do you think – what is it about Apex? Like how do we get so, some of our tiny kids to lift so much weight? Like what is it you think? I, I think it's the competitive atmosphere, you know. Like I, I don't think um, – I don't, I don't know that any one of these athletes would, would perform the way that they're doing now if they were on their own. Like – you know, some of some of the girls like they pair up together, and they're they're just great training partners. You know what I mean? Like they'll push each other so hard, and you don't have to do anything as a coach. Like Broncos, Broncos never like screaming at these kids and making them do these things. Like Broncos usually unless push- your name is Sophia Bows. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> She's listening to this. Hi, Sophia. <laughs> Go ahead. But he, I mean, he'll be coaching a session, and the kids are in the back, and you know, like he'll keep an eye on them, but they're it's pretty much like they're on their own and yeah and they'll push each other and i think that's that's really what what drives them i i think you got to know how to use the carrot and if you don't know what i'm talking about yeah the carrot on a stick right if you if you put that carrot in front of the horse it keeps moving forward right so you got to know everybody and and i always go look there's a progression right some people are positive feedback people right if you say hey calvin that's good job man i think you can go up weight calvin gets pumped up he goes up weight some people, you're going to be like, Calvin, that's bad. That's really not good enough. You need to go up weight. Then other people, you have to punish. You know? And I'm really, I know that's like a bad word. Nobody wants to hear you. you got to punish athletes. But going back to Sophia, and I'm sure she would attest to it. She would agree to this. Um, you know, sometimes I just got to be like, listen, you can't jump. Go do your workout. You know? Or don't do your workout. Go home. I've done that thing too. That's probably the best punishment. It's like, no, that's okay. You can leave. No, no, it's good. No, 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 don't deadlift. Which that's a little bit reverse psychology there too. But like you have to be able to read your athlete. And these are all things, by the way, and me and Calvin have had in-depth conversations about this. As you coach, as you learn and you gain experience, you know which carrot to use. I would always say err on the side of caution and stay with positive feedback. You've got to know when to go negative in punishment. Because I, I have literally, and this is, this is a little touchy subject, I've flipped out on college kids. I mean, they're adults, right? 18 or older. I have flipped out on college kids. But you know what? You know how I know I'm, I'm okay? Because later they come up to me and they apologize. So that's, that's really the thing, right? You're either right or you're either wrong. And sometimes it's hard to tell outside looking in. But I'll tell you what, if your kid goes up to you and says they're sorry, then you were right, okay? Uh, but kind of, we're getting a little bit off topic. One, one of the things that I want to bring up too, we had a conversation one time and I said, Calvin, look, don't get me wrong. You could have the facility, the best facility with the best equipment. And if this was possible, and I don't know that it is yet, you could have, this is the bulletproof, scientifically proven best you know, program for, for training, but you don't have passion, you get nothing. You get nothing. Because p- part of the thing, even le- going back to your Brit story, you know, where you were doing 165 and Brit was doing 225, they, talk about a passionate group of vaulters. That was a passionate group of vaulters, and everybody was pushing each other. Except yeah. for one, but we kicked him off the team, right? But you don't you don't last long at Ramapo if you're not passionate. Yeah, me me and Calvin always talk about we're at Apex. Yeah, yeah, being honest, right? But at at Ramapo it was really funny. We would always have these these pole vault dinners in the beginning of the year, and we'd have a table full of people. And dude, we would get kids that are incoming freshmen, fifteen foot jumpers, and then by the time we got to our first meet in December, half that table would be gone. You know, so, I mean, here's the thing. It was like a passionate group. Everybody's pushing each other. I go, Calvin, and I one time said to Calvin, I said, Calvin, if you had nothing but a barbell and weights and the only exercise you were allowed to t- do with someone was deadlift, but you were super passionate, you beat the other side. 
That side with the, if it was possible, scientifically proven program, the best equipment, the best facility, if there was no passion on that side, you lose. You have to be passionate. You have to drive. I mean, that's one thing, you know, me and Calvin have had a lot of talks about this. There was, there was a time when I was coaching where I was getting kind of bummed out. It seemed that every year my vaulters would jump higher and higher and higher to ultimately the year where I had uh, Michelle Favre win indoor and outdoor Division Three national championships. She set the Division Three record, which since has been broken at 13, 9, and 3 quarters. Um, she jumped that, and then I kind of got really bummed out about coaching because I had just gotten so greedy just about the performances, and I would have kids coming in who were not at that level. And I just couldn't get pumped up. But now, I'll tell you what, the results at the club, by and large, across the board, not just top end, are way better because I'm so passionate. I mean, today I had, well, yet, I'll talk about yesterday. Yesterday I posted uh, Brett. Brett is an eighth grader. He just had his third lesson. I was super pumped, man. That kid was holding the pole right. He was dropping the pole. Nice tall run, jumping up. He, he was moving the pole, pulling right off the ground, and, and, and wrapped eight feet. And, and this kid can bear he, – he's not that good at pull-ups. I have to do the blue band, which is the thickest band. And he can't do leg lifts to parallel. I have to have him do knee-ups. You know? So he's building his strength and he's working hard there. But it's like I'm not dealing with a stud athlete, but I, I'm just pumped to see progress. And that, that's what's important. But it's know? about perspective too. Yeah. Like you could be pissed that you don't get you know, some crazy good athlete walking in your door every day. But, you know, if you choose to look at, like, the little successes, like that kid Brett, yeah. you know, he, he's, you know, jumping up better at takeoff or he's, you know, taking a better first step. Like, that's a win. That's a win for you. That's a win for him. He's pumped to come in, too. You know, you, right. you, you just changed your perspective and that made all the difference. Well, and, and here's the thing. Because of that perspective and because of that increase of passion, the thing that people forget about, like, some people think so short term, right? But long term... That's better for the club and will produce better results in the long term. Yeah. Meaning like imagine if you're that guy or gal coaching pole vault and you're like, well, I love coaching pole vault, but I only want to coach studs. Well, what happens when you run out of studs? You're going to be miserable and you're going to leave the sport. Look, I because even – and nobody is, is past this, right? Even if you're – and you're probably a volunteer, but even if you're a volunteer coach, pole vault coach at a division one institution, look, you might have a bad recruiting year. What are you going to do? Let's say you're in the SEC and your best guy jumps 15, six, your best gal jumps 12, six. That's rough. Not really scoring points in the SEC like that. The only thing that's going to get you through that season is having perspective. Like you said, and knowing that, you know what? It's not about maybe winning the SEC this year. What it's about is getting a win for these kids, making them better. Yeah. Can that 15-6 kid <clears throat> jump 15-9? Of course. Well, now once you get to 15-9, can you jump 16? Of course at that point. Do you see what I'm saying? you got to get the ball rolling. And then by senior year, maybe the 15-6 guy is winning the SEC. You never know. But if your attitude going into it is like, wow, this kid is trash and I don't want to coach him <laughs> – you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have a tough time, you know. Because I, I mean, oh man, what were practices your freshman year? I, was, I was just gonna say. Go ahead. I'm like the poster child for that. Like it was, I'm sure it was hard to get excited about me my freshman year. <laughs> Every single practice, this guy would just be like, "Hey, faster! Hey, faster!" I'm yeah. like, "How?" He's like, "I don't know." But you just gotta get yeah, faster. <laughs> You would tell me you would tell me to do everything faster. You'd be like, "Dude, brush your teeth faster. <laughs> Get out of bed faster." I'm like, yeah. "Okay, I'm trying." Yeah. Well, and it was funny because we get to the first meet, and I think you jumped thirteen or twelve I nine. Thirteen, thirteen three. I think. Okay, thirteen three. And I was like, you know, I'm standing there, and Britt Delcase, the girl who's single leg squat at two twenty five, <laughs> she's standing next to me. I'm like, you know what? These guys didn't do too bad today. And she turns to me because at that time I was still jumping a lot. She goes, didn't you just jump 13-6 from a 5 a week before Bronco? And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. These guys are doing terrible. Because <laughs> I'm like, dude, if you, you can't beat me, you got problems. I'm not winning the conference meet, you know. And, but look, guys, Calvin ended up jumping 15-9. That's, that's second best mark ever in Rampo history. I mean, we're Division three. Our best mark is 17-5.5, which, you know, I don't know who I'm going to get to get to that point because – I don't even want to get on the topic of college climate and recruiting right now, but it, things are changing. 
Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think look, you gotta have the motivation, you have to have the perspective, and you, you have to have the passion. You know, um, now to kind of shift, like you know, your passion really became training. By the time you were a senior, you really like you were down the rabbit hole of training, and you you've decided you want to coach strength and conditioning for the rest of your life. I mean, so far, I mean, you could change your mind next year, <laughs> but but at the at right now, you, this is what you're trying to make work out, and. Here's the thing, because I, I just did the podcast with Jacob Sanders, who started a Pobleton club in Maryland, and first week of the club, he had about 20 kids. How pumped would you be, Calvin, if you had 20 strength and conditioning clients right now? I, I think I'd poop my pants first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. I, I would be excited. It would, it would be an adjustment, though. How, how much tougher is it to get clients in strength and conditioning versus pole I, I think it's tough. Pole vault's such a unique uh, niche, you know. Like, right? There's, there's, you need to seek out somebody, and there's usually not, there's usually not like a lot of pole vault clubs competing. Not a lot of other. options, yeah. But as far as strength and conditioning gyms or you know little gyms that cater to athletes, that's you know you they're all over the, block, the place. You'll find one, right? So, and, and that's an interesting idea. I mean, look, um, there's really not a lot of competition for pole vault coaching. You know, I find it even laughable, you know, and I was just on the phone with, with a coach from Texas, right? And there are these clubs that are hour and a half, two hours apart, you know what I mean? You're not business competition. You may be at some meets where you see each other and you're competing, right, right. but you're not actual competition. What people don't realize is Povo is at the point where, like, really there is no business competition. If you open a Povo club... By and large, you're the only club in town. There's not going to be competition business-wise till there's two pole vault clubs 10 minutes apart. Then we start to talk about real competition, about who's providing more service, who's providing more value, what are the different values that you can provide, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, like walk people through this past year because you've been trying to get strength and conditioning clients. Like, what are some things you tried? What what are, what are some things that maybe worked for you a little bit? What are things that didn't work? I mean, even just from coaching sessions. I mean, be be honest. I mean, it's it's definitely been tough. I uh, I remember it like in December, or January. I we sat down together. We actually made a mm-hmm. brochure that was specific to athletes. I addressed every single one by hand. Sent out over. Over 300 of these uh, mailers of these mailers to every single um, every single like individual sport coach to every high school in New Jersey, pretty much the big ones. You know, I wouldn't send one to like a one in and more local. You said yeah, the yeah. Local you sent to more yeah, local because like, streaming conditioning. You don't want to send the whole state. You want to send like something within a certain radius. You know, but I mean, I maybe spent, 45 minutes. I spent a good like I like I don't even know at least. 15 hours doing that and you know a lot of my own money got nothing back you know absolutely nobody contacted me from that i've uh you know i've been helping out recently you know the kids at the club in hopes that they you know have friends who do sports that want to train but maybe even parents maybe even parents yeah. if any parents listening yeah 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 you can you can definitely Call Bronco and yeah, no, well, no, no, for sure. I mean, and this look, let, let, let's be real too. I mean, part of this podcast, we're trying to demonstrate your value. You know what I mean, what you bring to the table. Um, but I also want people to know, you know, for me, my selfish reason for this podcast. One, I want people to know about the streaming conditioning clinic, right? Because I think it's a huge value, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the other thing is, I'm trying to show to people that the Pole vault community, there's a lot of, like, need. People want to pole vault. There's just not a lot of access out there. So literally, if you open up a club, you will get clients. You will get clients, 100%. Whereas string ignition, I mean, you just talked about wasting all that money on those mailers, you know what I mean, and you didn't get a single person back. Talk talk about even you offered some free training. Talk talk about that, that experience. When you offered the free training, those kids came in, and then kind of like your attitude towards the training – and maybe the positives and minuses of that experience. Um, yeah, I mean, I in the fall I had some some free workouts every Saturday. You, you called them strongman Saturdays, right? I've, strong Saturdays. Strong Saturdays, something like, Saturday, that. Something like <clears throat> whatever. You know, in the hopes that people would, you know, come train. But yeah, it was tough, and I did get a, a couple um, a couple high school kids out of that. 
and it, it was a learning experience for sure. Like I'd never had had my own guys that I could kind of train mm-hmm. however I wanted before, um, and I think mostly I think I wasn't really ready for it. Mm-hmm. I think that um, you know I I had given them a program that was I didn't come up with the program like it was somebody else's that you know I kind of took them through and that I I'd known like I'd done parts of it myself, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't really pay attention to, like, what their goals were. You know, I, I approached it more like this is what I would like to see them do as opposed to listening to them and seeing what they what they really wanted to get out of it. And I think a lot of them just kind of wanted to get jacked and get strong. Like, they didn't really have specific goals, which is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in order for, for you to build a relationship with the client, like, you really have to be tuned into what their goals are and what, they want to accomplish well and i'll bring up a conversation that we had we talked a little bit too i think that you had a couple concerns and this this is a warning for anybody whether you're trying to start a strength and conditioning business whether you're trying to start a pole vaulting club heck whether you're starting a bakery any business i think you were a little bit concerned too about pleasing them keeping them happy instead of giving them what they needed. Because you even brought up, you're like, oh, well, you didn't worry about their needs. But sometimes clients, look, sometimes people don't even know what they're exactly looking for until they're offered something. So you had a couple kids in, like there was a kid that was on the track team. You know, I don't know if you knew that or not, but then it's like, you know, you, like you said, you did a program that you're like, okay, this is a cool program. I think this will be fun. This will get them jacked. But it's like if you kind of like started, you know, piquing that kid's interest and be like, oh, you're on the track team? Yeah, I can make you faster. Yeah, I can have you be the best on your team. And then you start doing that, dude, that kid all of a sudden buy in and really get into track, let's say, for example. I mean, it was, speak about that. Like talk about those concerns you had about like keeping clients happy. Yeah, I mean, I, did, I guess my my – you're right like i didn't to me it was like they're like that track kid um you know i I think i could have could have tried to pique his interest in training for track more um i think part of the problem was like that they weren't super super into their sport like they weren't there were actually two kids on the track team a thrower and then a sprinter um and then there's another track kid who's coming so three of them were on the track team yeah 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 so the, the workouts were were geared towards like making them stronger and and we did do some stuff some speed stuff but um i think you're you're definitely right like i had these clients they were coming in i was i was pumped but i was too afraid of of kind of giving them what they really needed you know whether they could express it or not right and in doing that like i wasn't being true to myself i wasn't really helping them um and you know i ended up uh they ended up not training with me anymore yeah. Which, what, and look, he, he, and here's the thing, and this is an, a really, really important thing. I've had plenty of clients that don't continue with me, right? Now, sometimes maybe they're not the right client for me. Like maybe some of those kids, they just weren't the right mix, right? Like they weren't really serious about training. They just wanted to goof around. But then sometimes you have to look at it. Maybe they were the right client. And why didn't they come back? You know, like, what What could you have done differently? And sometimes it's really tough because you've seen me do this. I've had kids act up in here, and I call them out on their shit right away. And it's like, if you're worried about losing a client, you won't do that. Right. And you let someone goof off, you know, um, or not be part of the program. But the thing that people sometimes don't understand, now for that one kid, because you just want to keep that kid happy and have him do fun stuff. It's like a cancer. Well, right. Now it spreads. Now nobody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, and it's like, that's the thing. I think, look, you have to do what's right for you. I think that's 100%. You have to coach who you want to coach. And who you know who and and get the right people in, but that you also have to be afraid not to lose clients, you know, and do the right thing. Because in the long run, if you're happy, you're motivated, you're passionate, you have the right perspective. Now it opens the doors, and and a lot more people are going to be happy being there. But if like you're constantly concerned about just keeping people happy, that it it gets tough. It clouds it clouds your judgment. You know what I mean? And I I have to say, I mean, since that time. Calvin's coaching has gone up to the next level. I just, I see like 
huge improvement. I mean, one, I feel like when I see you with clients, you're a hell of a lot happier. You know what well, I mean? I'm, I'm being true to myself. Like the things that made me a good athlete are the things that I can, you know, convey to clients. Like I, I really, I can confidently say I know what hard work is. Like I, I put in some hard work at Ramapo. Yeah. And that's, that's like what my, I, I believe in that a hundred percent. And, you know, I don't believe in like going out every weekend and drinking. I don't believe in, you know, like wasting time. Like I, I think, the, my biggest thing was at Ramapo, like, I wanted to look back and not have any regrets. I wanted to look yeah. back and be like, I did everything I could to jump as high as I could. And to, to me, I would be satisfied no matter what the number was, what, however high I jumped. Right. And I can look back, like, I didn't go out on weekends. You know, I stayed in and got sleep. I would eat the right way. Like, I, I trained as literally as hard as I could without getting injured. And that's, to me, being true to myself is is conveying that message to clients, like, telling them, Listen, it's it's not okay when you're in high school and you go out every weekend. You come in on a Saturday and you're hungover for a workout. That's not cool. You yeah, know? That, I mean and, that's um, wasting time. Yeah, that's wasting your time. That's wasting my time. And now I feel like I'm I'm less afraid of if somebody comes to me and they're like, you know, they they're not serious and they want to goof around. Like, I'll I'll be honest with them and be like, listen, maybe this isn't the place for you, but that's not going to fly here. And I think that that you know, like Bronco said, if if uh, that's how I really feel. That's how I need to. That's how I need. I need yeah, to convey that to the yeah. clients. I, I mean, look. I'll even, uh, you know, personally speaking. I remember when I first started coaching. You know, and I don't know what everybody who listens thinks, but like, I, I'm a really nice guy. I love helping people, and so nice that in the beginning of my coaching career, when people would make me upset if they did something they weren't supposed to do, I would hesitate to tell them. You know, and I would like vent to someone like Calvin. I would be like, Oh my God, like. You know, why isn't Johnny, you know, doing this and blah, blah, blah. And and someone like Calvin would be like, well, well did you tell him? And I'd be like, well, no, I, I don't want to make him upset. And the thing is, so what would happen, it would just, the, the problem would keep growing till I blew up on someone or maybe even kicked them out of the club. Whereas now, now I tell people what I think right away. And it might be like a little bit of an issue, me telling it initially, but... I'm not kicking him out of the club. I don't need to flip out. And now that person decides whether they want to correct the behavior or if they want to leave on their own. But it's it's not as big an issue, you know? I think one of the – I mean, you talked about a time where you were kind of bummed out and you were focused mm-hmm. on the super elite. I think at that time you also had a, definitely a couple of people in the club who, you know, maybe you were you did, you wanted to please them and you didn't yeah. want them to leave and – it, it it was more so because not for financial reasons because they were they were at a they were good athletes good level, yeah you know and you didn't want to see them leave but man I like it's almost like when you cleaned house like it, it changed the atmosphere and you oh. talk about becoming more passionate I think it's because you were you were true to yourself too like you didn't you know you you would hold everyone at the same you know you'd, standard. you'd hold everyone at the same standard everybody accountable yeah. whether you're a, you know a, 12 foot girl or a 10 foot girl like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah no and and look i think as a coach you can't really control uh how athletic someone is meaning like you can't control their genetics right like that's great if mondo comes through your door you know his dad was jumping 19 his mom was a heptathlete that'd be great but you can't guarantee that you're gonna get a mondo walking through the door what you can control is the culture right of your club you know, do you preach hard work and effort? Because I know I've had disagreements with people and I said, look, what, what are we arguing about? Are you upset because this person is not athletic or are you upset because this person isn't working hard? What, which is it? Huge difference. Yeah, because I've seen people who are athletic that coaches love, but they're lazy. Well, you keep praising that athletic guy or girl because they're athletic but lazy now the people who, oh my god, the people who aren't athletic, they, their morale goes down. I will praise an eight foot girl who's working hard over any of my top tier athletes because I want people to know what matters here is your effort. Because if we give our best, that's what's important. Because if you don't give your best, I don't care how athletic you are, that's always, always a loss. You know what I mean? Because it en- ends up ruining everything else. Because now nobody's going to work hard. Well, and it translates to life, too. Like, you want to make these kids not just great pole vaulters, but great people. And if, if they come in and they're lazy and they don't learn anything from, 
from training here, like, what's the point? You know, not yeah. everybody's going to be a world record holder, but everybody's, you know, part of society and you want, you yeah. want to make better people. That's, that's the big, that's the big goal. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I think, I think the values that sports in general and specifically pole vault are huge. You know, that, that, you know, one, if, if you have a goal, you have to plan for it. If, if it's not working, you got to keep working harder. You know, no excuses. You didn't get your goal. All right, let's work harder. Let's figure out a better plan. Let's keep changing stuff up. And I mean, that's something that's really, really big at Apex. I mean, I, you know, I think sometimes it's funny. You know, uh, you know, one of the things that people get hung up on. I mean, I think. Look, I think we could all agree that you should have a high pole carry. I think we should all agree that you should have front side running mechanics. I think we could all agree you need an early plant. I think we could all agree that you should jump up at takeoff. I think you know we all can agree that you should be efficient on, on the pole. But, you know, here we talk about pulling. Some people talk about pushing. Some people talk about rowing. But I use that word pull, and so a lot of people want to disagree with me. Let's say it's worth 5%, 10% of the vault. Here's the thing. What, are you going to tell me you shouldn't work hard? you got to work hard. And here's the other thing. At Apex, we are constantly changing things up. I mean, I feel like if somebody that trained with me two years ago came into the club, they would literally be like, we didn't do this drill. Yeah. Wait, why isn't everybody single leg squatting? Why is that person sumo deadlifting? Wait, there are people why is that person belt squatting? Yeah. College and they're like, what the hell? Yeah, just just a couple months later and they're like, wait, did you change stuff? <laughs> and it's like the running jokes. Like, All right, what did you change now? You know? So it's like we're constantly changing and evolving. Like I I'm not married to anything. I always like to use the term married to religion. Some people are married to their religion. It's like this is how we do things. That's it. This is how Johnny won states 10 years ago. That's great 10 years ago. That might not have been the best way. What, right. It might not have been the best way. And maybe some, some people have figured something else out. And if you keep worrying about what you did 10 years ago, you know, I mean, look, I, one of the best stories I can think of is, you know, Henry Ford, what a great innovator, comes up with the assembly line for automobiles, creates the Model T and basically gives, gives America the gift of the automobile. And then he doesn't want to make a new car. He wants to keep making the Model T. Chevy and Chrysler start coming out with more custom cars. And Ford literally almost went out of business. Like, they, they were almost bankrupt. And if it wasn't for, for Henry Ford's son, who was like, Dad, we're going, the business is, we're going under. We have to make a new car. If it wasn't for him, they would have went out of business. But Henry Ford being stubborn, saying, this is how we did it. He almost killed his business. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. He wasn't listening to his clients. Right. You know what I mean? His clients wanted something different now, and he wasn't willing to offer that. You know, um, he, he thought he knew better than the clients. <laughs> you know, And I'll, I'll tell you, it was funny. Um, I think I mes- mentioned this in the prior podcast, but very interesting. I was looking at my insights on Instagram and, and looking at my followers. Over 60% of my followers are under the age of 24. And then there's a drop-off thereafter. I And listen, I don't know for a fact, but I would assume that anybody older than 24 who follows me is probably a coach. And what happens is, so we have these kids who are, let's say currently, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. They love the sport. And what we're not doing for them is we're not giving them access to jumping. We're not giving them access to meets. And they stop doing it, you know? So that's why, again, it's like, guys, you know, Calvin can go in deeper if you want. It is hard to start a streaming conditioning business, you know? And still, I would not begrudge anybody for starting that business. I think that's awesome. If that's what you want to do, you got to go do it. And you can make it work. You can do anything, right? Especially if you have, have value. But in pole vaulting, we literally, if you just open the doors right now, you, it's like when CrossFit you do it. first started. Right, yeah. CrossFit gyms were easy. You just open up a CrossFit gym, people are coming in, right? So that, that's what you can do with pole vault. With streaming and conditioning, it's a much, much harder, harder route. Um, kind of to switch gears now, you know, we've been talking about, you know, building a business and passion and all that stuff. Uh, let's get a little bit more technical. I, you know, we talked about September 22nd. We're doing the, the Apex Vaulting Streaming Conditioning uh, for Pole Vultures Clinic. Um, I want to ask you this question, Calvin. I, I have a thought on this, but I want to hear what you think. 
Why do you think so many track people, including pole vault people, stay away from weights, weight training? You know, why do they stay away from strength and conditioning? I mean, you look at every other professional sport, football, basketball, baseball, golf even. All these dudes are doing strength and conditioning. They're all lifting, but in track, we don't do it. Like, why? Why do you think that is? I think it's at the at the upper level. Um, well, well, let me. At the upper level, I think sometimes coaches are afraid to like mess up athletes. You know, you, if you're like a Division One coach and you get you get you know a stud from high school who jumps 17 feet, like he's good. You don't you don't want to change what he's doing. You don't want to make him worse. You don't want to get him hurt. So you know a lot. Well, of, and and just to add on what you're saying there, I mean, I, I spoke to a very very good Division One pole vault coach, right? And he said, "Oh man, I used to tell the guys try not to lift too much. I don't want you to be tired for practice." Yeah. So that's fa- facts. We're talking facts now, people. I know, I know some people might get offended what, what we're talking about, but these are facts. Go ahead, continue. So I, I think that's number one. Like you know, the coaches want them to be fresh for practice or. They feel like, um, you know, if they get too too strong or too big, I should say, not really too strong, that it's going to mess them up. They're not going to be as fast. And, I, you know, dovetailing off that, I think the other reason that a lot of coaches don't do as much strength and conditioning as they should or, you know, getting their guys strong is because they're afraid to add mass. They're afraid they're going to slow down. They're yeah. afraid that... Um, if they get too heavy... If they get too heavy... They're not going to be able to go up the pole. They're not going to be able to run fast. But, like, you know, contrary to maybe popular belief, I don't know what people think, but we're all about strength-to-weight ratio here. Like, we gave you some numbers from myself from freshman year. Like, my strength-to-weight ratio went way up, even though my body weight went up. But that's what I needed, you know. Yeah. It's all on an individual basis. Like, if you already have a super strong athlete, maybe he needs to get more explosive. Maybe you have to do some explosive stuff with him, but... Um, I, I would I would think that's the main reason is the right and and, don't and, and just to go off of there I mean look there's people that I have at the club now because it's so funny like you know certain kids that we have in the club they're on a strict two hours you know so we have like let's say like a four thirty or six thirty session during the week Sundays we have ten a.m. noon two o'clock four o'clock and then Saturdays we have ten and noon right so it's like these are two hour blocks a lot of my guys stay here three three and a half hours to get all the strength and conditioning in after they pull vault but on the flip side, I have some people that have to be here just two hours, and I have to make really tough calls. And so, for example, if I have somebody who's really, really good up, uh, upper body, like let's say I have a girl that can do pull-ups with 45 pounds, but she's really slow, she's going to do something lower body, right? We're going to hit up some deadlifts or some squats, some variation, right? If I have the opposite, I have somebody who's really, really fast, but oh my God, they're, they're using the blue band for pull-ups, they got to do their upper body, you yeah. know? And then, like you said, maybe there's some people that maybe they are a little bit bulky. Maybe we, maybe they are a little bit slow. Their frequency, their stride frequency is bad. So we got to do something that, that's going to fire them up. And we'll either do stuff like, uh, you know, box jumps. We'll do uh, speed squats, speed bench even. I mean, uh, Calvin one time rigged up speed pull-ups. <laughs> I don't know if you saw him do that, Calvin Gould. Different. We have two Calvins here, uh, but you know, so it's like we, you know, we get creative. We 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 try to figure something out. Um, I think that's super important. I mean, you gotta you gotta give the athlete what they need. You know, I mean, we definitely have a system. We have an overall progression and program, but then you, you kind of you know you tailor it to what that person's doing. Um, so, what what other reasons do you think people stay away from strength and conditioning and track? Anything else, or can I go with mine? <laughs> uh, you go ahead and give your two cents. Okay. There's Bronco making somebody mad again, right? Oh, I, listen, I, I'm about honesty. Let's really break this down, okay? Let's go high school first. Some high school coaches may or may not have done track, and because they teach in the high school, they have to coach track. They were forced to. And I can imagine, let's just go this high school scenario. I want to play this out. Imagine, especially if you don't have a lot of track knowledge, now you're the head track coach. You were forced to do it. Nobody else in the building wanted to do it. You got throwing. You got jumps, which include pole vault. (laughs) 
you have runners, sprinters and distance. You have this whole team, all these events to coach. You're overwhelmed. And you have this track facility. You have this, this oval, right? I could just make everybody run on the track for an hour and then go home, right? And I think this goes through the whole sport. You know, I, I've heard people talk about strength. I've never heard it anywhere in the strength and conditioning world. But they talk about strength and they talk about running for strength. And I'm not saying you can't do it. Except those are different things, right? Sprinting, lifting, plyos, right? These are all di- different ways to train the body, right? Conditioning stuff is different, right? You could run for conditioning. You could run for top-end speed. There's a lot of different uh, you know, nuances here. But I think people are lazy. I think it's a lot easier to go out on the track... Have everybody run for hour, two hours, and we're done. Because now if you're going to implement strength and conditioning, you're talking about tacking on at least another hour on top of whatever you did at the track. That's a lot of hard work. And then I'm just going to have my kids run. Because here, here's the other thing too. Let's talk about this. Especially if you're not knowledgeable in strength and conditioning, and I want you to talk about this. If you're not knowledgeable about strength and conditioning, It takes a long time to build max effort strength, right? If you were doing, even, how about this? If you're doing all-out sprints, if you want to get an increase in top-end speed, it takes a full season to see some significant results. It's not going to happen overnight. Whereas, how long does it take to get significant cardio increase? Um, I mean... Really significant. It depends. I mean, but you can you can see you can increase your cardio in two weeks. No, a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, a couple weeks. Whereas to increase, if I want to increase my my squat seventy pounds, dude, come to Apex. I'll do it in a day. No, yeah. All right, that would be false advertising. No, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying. It, it, it takes time. It's it, it takes time. I mean, and a completely untrained person, yeah, they're gonna make increases much quicker. You know what I mean? Yeah, it takes a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. So and so that's the thing. I think when you don't understand it, and now it's like, here's the thing. I'm going to go, let's go even like typical situation. I've seen it in college, but it definitely happens in high school. It's early preseason. You know, you've been running out on the track. Everybody starts getting shin splints. We go in the weight room for a week. Nobody got any stronger. Nobody was teaching the kids how to squat properly, bench properly, deadlift properly, pull up properly. You know, it was just kind of circuit training in the weight room. People were doing some bicep curls. I didn't notice any difference. Nobody ran faster. All right, back out on the track and let's stay away from the weight room. I've had, and guys, guys, are there good coaches out there? 100%. Are there good programs out there? 100%. But I've heard all too often from people, that they go in the weight room for like a week or two and they never see it the rest of the season. I hate to break it to you. If you go in the weight room for two weeks in April um, you are, and you don't go back and now you're at the end of May, uh, good luck. I don't know what that two weeks in April was going to do for you. I, I mean, go ahead. I mean, you, you have the certification. Maybe you can explain this a little bit more in depth. I'm still learning. I'm not some guru. Okay, but you know enough. Explain it a little bit. Why, why, am, I, why am I right about the two weeks uh, of lifting in April, you know, and now not lifting the rest of the season? Wh- how come that doesn't help? Well, I mean, you, you get some physiological changes from lifting right away. Like there's, there's better, basically, coordination among your muscles. Like you can get kind of like those newbie gains pretty quick. But to actually increase your, your strength, like past those those um kind of early early um early gains takes a long time like you know like bronco said and a lot of cardiovascular changes happen happen very quickly um because it, like their physiological physiological responses that that happen a lot faster like for example strength a lot like to actually get a lot stronger especially strength to weight ratio a lot of 
kids need to add mass and to increase a muscle cell takes a lot. You know, it's it's not something you can well, do. How overnight. much weight can I go up in a week of muscle mass? <sighs> I mean, We've it, talked about these numbers. It really depends on the person, but rough estimate. I mean, can I go up ten pounds of muscle in a week? No, you can. It, what? Generally, Come on. you can go up a pound of body weight a week. That's about what you know is is so recommended, not, and that is not all muscle. That is not all. Get muscle. out! <laughs> Anybody out there thinking they can gain thirty pounds in thirty weeks of muscle? You're out of your mind. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Right. So I mean, think about that, and that's consistent week to week strength and conditioning, not. Two weeks in April, and now we get to May, and I'm going to be stronger. I mean, that's why – let, let's even talk 100 meters now. Let's say you have a girl that runs 13.3 in the 100, and you have a boy that runs, I don't know, 11.9 in the 100, and you're not in the weight room. Well, uh, well, maybe explain in those terms. Why would lifting help a 100-meter runner? I mean, strength-to-weight ratio is so important but for why? a sprinter. Well, it, there's two ways to get faster. You can move your arms and legs faster, right? So stride or, frequency. Stride frequency, or you can increase your stride length. And Whoa. how do you increase your stride length? You need to apply more force into the ground, right? Well, how do you how do you apply more force? Like, you can't just hit the ground harder. That doesn't really work. You know, you can go try it, but yeah, <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not the way you're supposed to apply that force, yeah. You literally need your leg to apply more force into the ground. And the best way to train for that is you need to do some type of squat, you know, some type something in the weight room that translates well onto the track. And whether that's like a, you know, we we found that Bulgarian split squats work very, they translate, you know, very very well. But uh, you know, some people prefer like a double leg squat or a box squat or wh- whatever right. it is that in your experience you find. Hey, I have my athletes do this, and and every athlete's different. Some athletes, Let, let's say, some, some athletes, kids are like yeah. very quad dominant. You might want to do more deadlift uh, type stuff because you need to hit up those hamstrings and glutes more. Well, especially yeah. like pole vaulters are upright runners, so um, you know stuff like a, a deadlift is going to help them a lot. You know, with the um, with like hip extension when they run. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you have like a short sprinter, they, they need big quads, you know, something like a Bulgarian split squat is great for them or pushing a heavy sled or, you know, even double leg box squats or double leg free squats, like whatever. And as a coach, like you, you kind of know if you've been in the weight room with them, you, you know what your, your money exercises are and those translate, you know, to applying more force into the ground, which makes them run faster. Now. Here's the thing. For anybody who's like, look, I'm not familiar with strength and conditioning. That's okay. 100%. That's okay. But you can get started now. Yeah, you can come to our our, uh, seminar. (laughs) Yeah. Cheap plug. Um, But but no, but seriously, like, you can start doing strength and conditioning now. I mean, first of all, even if you can't make the seminar, right? Like, I... Maybe there's somebody in California right now listening to this and they want info. I mean, I had a guy from Boston call me over the weekend to, to go over our, our strength and conditioning program. I love talking to people. I love helping anybody out. So please hit me up if you have any questions. Uh, but don't just neglect this avenue. Strength and conditioning is huge. You want to get your athletes faster. You want to get them stronger. You want to help them be more efficient on the pole. You got to get their upper body stronger. You need to address this area. Start slow. You don't have to do a lot of stuff. Start with one or two exercises. Slowly build your athletes up. And then as you see things developing, you can add more and more. You don't like I think for someone, let's say, you know, talk about being overwhelmed, right? If you walked in in the middle of a session and saw everything that went on in here, I think it would look like random chaos. I really do. But there's definitely a plan. Like everybody's doing something and there's a purpose to what they're doing. But the thing is you have to start small. That way you can kind of address one variable at a time. You know what I mean? And you have to give it time. Lift for an entire season. See what happens. You've talked about when you started like you Mm – You'd have them kind of just squat and they would like bench, right? You right. kind of kept it super, super simple and you'd yeah. see what worked. You were like, okay, like this, you know, they squat, their legs got bigger, their legs got stronger, and hey, their meters per second got better. Like they got faster. That's a right. fact. I have numbers to back it up. Correct. Cool. Well, you know what? Now I'm going to try a Bulgarian split squat because Mike Boyle said those are great. Like I'm going to see if that translates. Yeah, well, and listen, I didn't just like, oh, it's Mike Boyle. I'm going to listen to him. His <laughs> no. explanation was logical. It made sense. But go ahead. 
Yeah, and you just kind of built it from there to what it is now. I mean, now you have basically you come in here and every kid's doing something different because you have enough experience to see, hey, that kid needs this. Like, you know, go in the squat rack and do this. Or sure. you are not good at going up the pole. You need to get your lats stronger and right. your pull-ups or rows or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, so we have all those variations. I mean, one example too, it's like, you know, my kids do high bar stuff. I feel like now we do a little less high bar than we used to, but we still do the high bar exercises like like swing-ups and and pullovers. But one of the things that we noticed was like there was a limit to how good we were getting and we needed to start doing weighted pull-ups. And as you guys start doing weighted pull-ups, the high bar stuff got better and better. You know, so I mean, that's something that you'll see if you're actually watching your kids. You know what I mean? Like you have to really pay attention, though. And and I just I feel like it's a crucial, crucial part. Um, you know, I I feel like like what you said, Calvin, about you know your college years, and you didn't want to have any regret. You know, you said, hey, I want to be able to put everything I got into this and and make sure that there was no stone left unturned. You know, I feel the same way as a coach. I don't want to look back at someone's career and be like, God, man, maybe if we lifted a little bit, you would have jumped higher. Maybe if we did a little bit more conditioning, you would have jumped higher. Maybe if we would have done a little bit more high bar, you would have jumped higher. I want to know that, like, we have tried everything, you know? So, you know, I, I just... I just feel like it's something that you got to pay attention to. You, you got you got to think about strength and conditioning a little bit, and and to go off of that saying, uh, leaving no stone uh, unturned. I I love this one line from Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell, and and for me and Calvin, I think Westside Barbell and Louis Simmons and Dave Tate that that whole group has has really been an inspiration. Uh, we actually got a chance to meet Dave Tate, which was awesome. Um, but we never met Louie, but still, just from reading his, his book, uh, articles, watching videos, you know, I remember hearing Louie talk about how, look, there's, there's thousands of exercises out there, and you got to find which one's right for you. And he looks at the guy he's talking to, and he goes, I know, you're looking at me like, that's crazy, like, that's a lot of hard work. But he goes, well, let me ask you a question. If I told you there was a million dollars under a rock in the parking lot, would you quit if the first rock didn't have a million, or would you keep looking? And the guys start laughing. Yeah, you're going to keep looking. Why would you stop? You know, so it's like, that's the thing. It's like, if you really want your athletes to jump higher, if you're an athlete listening to this and you want to jump higher, leave no stone unturned. Keep digging if it really matters to you. Because that's the thing, Calvin. And I think, you know, for you, when you jumped in college, it was important to you. You wanted to jump high. So you wanted to do everything you could. And I ask athletes all the time, like, hey, you want to jump higher this year? Do you really want to be the best? If they nod their head yes, then I go, okay, well, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do, but you got to do it if you're not lying to me. Because I think a lot of times, you know, it's crazy, right? They tell you what you want to hear. Well, well, that and also I think sometimes people don't know. Like some people say, hey, I, I want to be the best pole vaulter. Do you, do you really? really? Do you know what do you, it takes? Yeah. You know, it's, it's so funny. It's like, it's like when adults – hear young people say like, oh, I'm in love. And they're like, you don't know what love is. And they're right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, relationships are hard work. Well, let me tell you, pole vault is a little bit like a relationship. And it's a lot of hard work if you want to jump super, super high, you know? Uh, But even to kind of go off of that a little bit too, I mean, look, you have some clients that come in, they're adults, they just want to get in shape. I have some clients for sure that come in, you know, seasonally or once a week and they like pole vaulting. They enjoy it. We still incorporate strength and conditioning. You know, they might not be pushing, say, numbers. You know, they're not throwing up during workouts or anything like some of our, some of our more and more like high end clients. Meaning, like they they want to really jump high, but they're still getting the workout in. Still helps them too. Still helps them too. You know, every once in a while, I get my brother to do a workout somehow. Um, Does he listen to the podcast? I don't. I mean, I, I think he, listen, he listens sometimes. My brother sometimes <laughs> listens, so he might hear this. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Any words of wisdom? Words of, I'm too young to give words of wisdom. Oh, my goodness. Cal- Calvin's too humble. Calvin's too humble. Um, anything else you want, you want to add before we move on? What, what's the Instagram for Apex Strength and Conditioning? Apex Strength Conditioning. There's no and. 
Oh, okay. Somebody else has the end, I think. A- Apex Strength Conditioning. Yeah. Um, follow him on, on Instagram. I'm going to bust his butt. He's going to be posting a lot more. <laughs> um, but really, really informative guy. Calvin, Calvin's super passionate. I think it all starts with passionate. He's definitely passionate. He knows a lot of stuff. He, he's just a, a little bit shy to sometimes say what he, he really wants to say. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening again at the real Apex Vaulting on Instagram, Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Twitter, um, Snapchat, apexvaulting at gmail.com. If you want to email me, it's apexvaulting.com. Uh, check out the website and the store. Again, we're going to be doing that strength and conditioning clinic, uh, clinic on September 22nd. It's a Saturday. It's from 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. Um, thanks for listening. I, I am so thankful that you guys listen. Um, also, I'm going to throw this out there. If you like listening... Please leave a comment on the iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, Let us know what you think. And, hey, if there's anything that you guys want to hear, let us know what you want to hear. We'll definitely do an episode about it. All right? Um, Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.